0: My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and to this end, um, we're joined on today's programme by Paul Blair, CEO and founder of Arkex Technology, a sporting goods manufacturer on a mission to improve the world's health and wellness by creating the most innovative, accessible and revolutionary wearable technology. Uh, Paul, a very warm welcome to yourself. And uh, by all means, thanks for joining us on the show. It's a real pleasure having you with us.
1: Hello, Scott. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, Great to be here. Very excited uh, to have this conversation with you.
0: Likewise, very excited to hear from yourself as well, Paul. And obviously, this is a podcast fundamentally about leadership. And of course, today we do pay tribute to one of the most incredible and beloved leaders in the uh, the UK in the form of her late Majesty the Queen, who passed away um, just eight days ago. And we're still in the period of national mourning as we record this on the sixteenth of September, twenty twenty two. So we do just recognise her and wish all of our best, of course, to uh, the successor, King Charles the Third. Um, but obviously, speaking about the uh, the Queen, um, a lot of military personnel have been uh, deployed in uh, the various. Um, sort of rituals uh, this week haven't they Paul and uh, let's talk about sort of your background Um, actually going into uh, to business because I believe you actually had a career um, in the armed forces prior to your sort of foray into the business world so just to kind of set the scene for those listeners that might not be familiar with you um, I was wondering sort of how you came to sort of transfer into the business world from that career and sort of whether the experiences of the forces sort of benefited you in making that transition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I spent 20 years in the parachute regiment, uh, seven operational deployments uh, all over the world, had a fantastic time on other training exercises and visits all over the world. Um, 20 years, big part of my life, um, defined a lot of who I am. And um, even though I spent 20 years, um, service leavers, and I spend a lot of time um, working with service leavers who are perhaps starting their own business, um, even if they only do a couple of years. There are so many uh, transferable skills that, that the military teach us that um, uh, work so well across in business. And it's a lot of those soft skills that um, yeah, only time spent uh, in the military environment uh, can teach, but they're very applicable to, um, to various businesses.
0: Yeah certainly so so uh, just based on some of the uh, the soft skills that you picked up um in the uh, the military world uh, that you're taking into business how would you kind of describe your sort of leadership style if you will today
1: <laughs> Yeah good question um it's certainly softened a lot since I left uh obviously in that military environment um discipline is is a cornerstone of what we do um leadership is can be very autocratic, and it and it has to be. And that's not to say that we don't um, take feedback and have conversations and um, get ideas from uh, from other people in our team and and, and units. But um, it's moving into a, a business environment. I had to really soften my approach, mm. um, make it a lot more uh, consensus building, uh, at a, I think a tough time uh, moving from uh, the army after I left into a corporate job, working for uh, a large multinational, and um, very quickly being challenged by a lot of uh, very junior um, new members of my team, mm. and that took a lot of getting used to, but um, yeah, I think I was forced to uh, soften my my
0: considerably yeah this is the thing isn't it I suppose when you're in the business world you've got to get uh, used to sort of being asked questions haven't you in that sense I mean isn't almost a threat to your authority it's more a kind of positive way of challenging you isn't it and uh, I sort of found it really interesting as well that you touched on how you sort of work with entrepreneurs that have uh, sort of left the forces and sort of help them sort of move into business and I guess probably one of the things that is a major concern of yours in that realm is kind of uh, their well-being and how they're sort of coping with the transition as well. Because um, we talked an awful lot um, since the onset of the pandemic, especially about the importance of well-being in leadership, because... I guess as leaders, our natural tendency is to sort of instantly look after the well-being of everybody else, make sure that everyone else is coping okay around us. And it's quite easy sometimes, isn't it, to sort of neglect the self in that way and sort of fail to take a step back and consider things as and when we need to as well. So I suppose what we need to do as leaders is recognise the importance of that work-life balance for ourselves as well, and also lead by example on well-being and prioritise our own as and when we need to, don't we?
1: Absolutely. There there are two two sides to that. Yes, as leaders, we have got to look after ourselves. It's a little bit like taking an oxygen mask uh, first on an aircraft. If you don't take yours, you're no use to anyone else. So yeah, first and foremost, it's it's looking after ourselves. But clearly as leaders at any level, you have a sense of duty, you've got loyalty to your team and, and making sure that they are obviously performing to the best that they can be and all the aspects of, of growth mindset. And helping people grow but also that um that eq just as well as iq um if not more so that the whole empathy piece of um because we're all humans and you know i think gone are the days of um of cracking the whip and expecting people to work all day every day um and taking away that that human aspect so yes i, I see it with, with service leaders and myself included that there is a a challenge to make that transition into the business world. But in in the business world, um, yeah, leaders have got to be um, looking after their their team and and making sure that they can do everything they can to um, uh, to help their their team members along.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I suppose as well, To maintain productivity, it's just important to make sure that morale is high, isn't it? As well as sort of the uh, the physical well being side of things, and um, especially during a time say like the last couple of years, like COVID, when you know there was a great deal of uncertainty there, and people obviously weren't sure about sort of the uh, the threat to their health or what the maybe what the future of uh, sort of their jobs were going to be. So, man, that kind of management, that kind of really really close personal management, is um, is also quite important, I guess, isn't it?
1: Yes. Um, At Sanders, and uh, I'm also going to bring up a lot of uh, military examples I say a big part of my life and Mm define who I am, but um, almost day one at Sanders, we've given a a red book, and it's just lots of anecdotes and lessons and quotes and um, stories from leaders uh, of days gone by. And one that stuck with me was um, from uh, Field Marshal Slim, Mm. uh, Second World War General, and his basic the the basic thing that i took away was to know your men and in that read men women everyone on our team and it's only by having like taking the time as leaders to have those conversations to get to know everyone in your team uh, their family situations their personal circumstances what the name of their dog is um, and and taking a little bit of time every day just to have some conversations and get to know those people because when you know them you can recognize that mm. they might be having a bad day and so that's not the time to jump down their throat if they're missing a deadline. That's the time to take a step back maybe have that uh, pastoral conversation with them just to try and understand what's going on um, outside of work. So, yeah, I'd say that's something that I've embraced a lot. Um, and quite often, yeah, we're all busy and, and leaders, you've got a, a lot on your plate, but it's it's fundamentally important, I think, just to take that time to get to know everyone you're working with and, yeah, have those those conversations.
0: And I guess as well, it commands more respect from them, doesn't it? Because you're not essentially getting on their back. You know, obviously, when to put an arm around them, you're getting those kind of silent social cues and, you you know, you're approaching it in the right way and that's going to command a lot more respect from them.
1: Uh, Yes, true. And I think just on a personal level, getting to them because um, uh, on the other side of the coin, if you're having a bad day Mm -hmm. as a leader and you know you've got a personal connection with people in your team, Uh, they will probably recognize that uh, that's not the time to maybe ask you for a pay raise or um, (laughs) uh, some extra time off or an extension to the deadline. So it, it works both ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And um, obviously, um, just talking about sort of uh, business a little more now. Um, we've mentioned COVID as well and um, the impact that that's had on sort of our awareness of wellbeing. Um, you're in, of course, with Arkex Technology, the um, the sort of sports tech and digital health sphere. And um, there've been some sort of direct, um, let's let's sort of say physical um, effects, um, sort of post pandemic as well, haven't there? Because COVID has notoriously um, sort of caused issues with sort of supply chain. Um, it's still sort of a little bit of an intermittent problem in China as well, causing a lot of disruption there. So when we're talking about sort of the challenges of the pandemic, I mean, for some businesses, it might seem like oh, we're we're sort of past that point in time. And now, you know, we're focusing on sort of energy costs, this, that and the other. But I suppose for the likes of yourselves, um, there's still a little bit of a sort of lingering COVID hangover, isn't there? So it's, uh, it's obviously sort of caused issues on the wellbeing side that we need to be acutely aware of. But there are still some very physical and tangible problems that we're still trying to get over, aren't we, in that way?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Firstly, the working environment and and getting on as a team. Obviously, lockdown had huge ramifications for businesses, big and small, Mm. uh, everyone working from home. As a small team, it was, dare I say, relatively easy for us. I've only met my co-founder a handful of times, but we speak pretty much daily uh, on Mm. uh, video calls, And for us, it was relatively easy to to get on and do stuff. And when we were building the tech, apart from having a physical prototype that we needed to be in the same room to touch and feel it and pull it apart and um, test and improve it, um, it was pretty straightforward for us. But looking over to another point that you mentioned there and the whole supply chain... Yes, as a UK company, we've got a fantastic um, industrial designer we work with. We've been working with the day one, based in mm-hmm. Germany. And we wanted to manufacture everything closer to home, but just the costs, as anyone making hardware or, or physical goods will understand, um, the costs of doing that closer to home uh, just don't work, it's only for a startup. So mm-hmm. we're having to manufacture in China. And yeah, those supply chain issues are still there. We, as an electronic product, uh, our sports tech smart ring, uh, we have uh, some semiconductor components in there, and everyone will be aware of the problems with uh, semiconductors. For mm-hmm. example, the lead time when we started out used to be about four weeks for some basic chips. Um, it went up to 52 weeks. It's starting to come back down, but just an example of, of those supply chain issues as a hangover from, from COVID. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it? And um, I guess that given the climate that we're in at the moment with supply chain issues still lingering large and also, you know, like we've talked about, touched on the, t- the cost of living, we touched on the rising energy prices, it's a challenging time for sort of startup businesses to try and sort of navigate, isn't it? But um, I suppose if we've learned anything from COVID, it's that we've probably learned a lot about ourselves and our resilience and, you know, there is always hope for the future in that sense, isn't there? Yeah, for sure.
1: And at times such as lockdown and COVID um can be uh really productive in terms of companies innovating and pivoting and coming up with different ideas and and ways just to, to deal with for what was the new norm for so many of us for um for a couple of years. Um companies can uh, sort of adapt and overcome. Yeah, you mentioned resilience. That is, I think, one of those key sort of elements, those key transferable skills that the military teaches us that no matter what the situation you're in, um, be it adverse, uh, if you're in a particular environment, if it's a hostile environment, if you're running low on water, ammunition, or whatever it is, you still need to perform to a certain level. Okay, your your mission, your goal might change, um, but you still have to be resilient. And to uh, adapt to, uh, to the situation and in business, so many companies uh, did that. But in the startup was, yeah, it's it's tough for us. It was a <laughs> absolute slog, like so many um, startup founders will agree. Mm-hmm. You have highs and lows. You can be on top of the world one week; everything's going according to plan. And it takes one email, or something goes wrong with the tech, or something in the supply chain, whatever it might be, and you you hit a trough and. The case of, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to get
0: ourselves out of this? It? Yeah, it's a constant learning curve, isn't it, I suppose? I mean, even though, you know, yeah. I mean, we might be running successful businesses, things go well. I mean, you always have the peaks, you always have the troughs, as you say, and uh, it's a constant process of development, isn't it? I mean, we're not infallible, even though we're running our own businesses. And, you know, from every single setback we have, we always learn something different, don't we? So it's about sort of making sure that we view the uh, the setbacks, the troughs, as not terminal, but sort of use it to kind of either learn or win, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah. They've got to be learning experiences and that can be tough if the things that go wrong are unexpected and outside your control. Um, If it's something that we do as a team, if it's a poor decision, um, we spend a lot of time in the military doing after action reviews uh, of every operational task of of going back over it and even if it went absolutely 100% according to plan, (laughs) which is pretty rare, there is still the opportunity, okay, how can we, if we could do that same thing next time, how can we improve it, uh, reduce the risk, um, do it more efficiently with less resources? And so, yeah, we, we do spend a bit of time just, I suppose, thinking about how we think or analysing our decisions, if it was a poor decision that led us to um, uh, hit a bit of an obstacle. If it's those things outside our control, well, I put that down to... Yeah, coming up with, with plans and contingencies, clearly you cannot plan for for every eventuality. But um, I think having a little bit of, uh, I suppose, money in a bank for a rainy day or just um, a little bit of a fudge factor built into a timeline, mm-hmm. I think just so key planning principles can um, can help overcome those, those troughs when they arrive
0: yeah, so when we talk about those key planning principles, if you were to say sort of advise a young entrepreneur that might be tuning into this on you know some of the key elements to sort of succeeding in their business venture, I mean, would you say that that prior planning is probably one of the most key elements that they should be uh, that should be they should be thinking about?
1: Definitely. as as a startup, when you get going, it's hugely exciting. There's that adrenaline buzz? there's a million things to do. but uh, I would advise now that this is on my fourth startup that taking a little bit of time just stepping back and you know planning for those contingencies and almost um someone in in the team playing devil's advocate to pick holes in that plan um, mm. regardless of how perhaps extremely might be just to stress test that plan and it is so worth um spending the time doing that because if you plan for a lot of I suppose, predicted eventualities, mm. um, when they arise, you will know what to do and it won't be a, a knee-jerk moment of, uh, okay, everyone panic and <laughs> let's figure out what we're doing.
0: And I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you can not you can never go too far with a stress test because to be perfectly honest, I think if somebody had told you in 2015 what we'd have had to contend with over the last four or five years, they'd probably be telling you, oh, I told you so from the confines of a padded cell, wouldn't they? So <laughs> that just kind of shows you, of course, doesn't it, yeah. that expect the unexpected.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, no one saw that coming. And so many businesses um went to the wall, unfortunately, but so many other businesses um actually thrived, um, did a complete pivot. Um, there's lots of examples out there, but um uh, back to that sort of resilience and adaptability of, of people sitting down going, Okay, our our business models changed, um the whole environment we're operating in has changed. What are we gonna do?
0: Exactly right. It's all about how you're adaptable as well as obviously, um, you know, sort of the prior planning as well. You've got to be able to think on your feet like that. It's a hugely important thing to succeed in business. And uh, just obviously thinking about adaptability and what might be on the horizon just for yourselves, Paul, before we sort of wrap up on the show today, because I'm conscious that we're starting to run short of time. um, I'm wondering what kind of the next sort of key milestones are going to be over maybe the next 12 months for Arcx technology. And say maybe this time next year, um, where ideally do you want the business to be with this being like, say, your fourth startup?
1: yeah good question our milestones um have changed slightly over the, the last year looking ahead for for next year well short term we are just finishing manufacturing uh, our first production run mm. so we're getting those products landed in the uk um next month that's going to be hugely exciting it's been a long time coming mm. and just really proud uh, of the team and all the work they've put in um from there it's scaling up it's um no like doubt, we will get a lot of customer feedback. We're looking forward to taking that on board trying to try and improve the product and the app behind it. But it's um, subsequent production runs um, rolling out across Europe and into North America, and yeah, seeing where the uh, the tech takes us as opposed to the, or in addition to the hardware, um, we see more longer term value coming through our app. Mm-hmm. And. Um, uh, our, our, big part of our messaging is to encourage people to, yes, keep their phone on them, but to take a break from their screen, whatever their sport or activity, and still listen to music and um, enjoy the features that uh, our, smart rings, our smart ring offers. But, um, yeah, that that's the plan. Those are the milestones, mm-hmm. uh, scaling up and rolling out the product into different markets and improving the tech and perhaps introducing new products uh, probably this time next year.
0: Absolutely amazing. And like I say, with that first production run, the subsequent ones, uh, Paul, do wish you all the luck in the world with that and hope it comes together well for you. And uh, who knows? I mean, once we uh, sort of see how uh, that transpires, we can maybe even catch up on, on the programme and just uh, see how it's all coming together for you. I'm sure, it'll hopefully, be some good news to share. That'd be great.
1: I would look forward to that. Thank you, Scott. Great to talk to you today.
0: Uh, likewise and um, to anybody as well tuning into this program who you know might be thinking of running your own startup and want to leave a comment on those things that we've talked about um, you can do that via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us as well if you wanted to it's uh, just take a look at that and just thinking about um, your business uh, Paul for those wanting to sort of look at a little bit more into ARCX and the work that you do and um, I think ARCX.fit is the, uh, the best port of call isn't it for interested parties there that's right yeah, yeah fantastic correct and to anybody as well tuning in um, if you do happen to run your own business head your own organisation and you've got your own innovations come and share with us here at the Leaders Council then we also want to hear from yourselves as well on that so you too can also apply to be on our programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Um, for now I thoroughly hope that you've enjoyed the interview with Paul Blair from Arcx Technology and Paul do take care and do stay safe with all still going on, it's been brilliant having you. Thank you, Scott. All the best. And until next time, everybody, I've been your host, Scott Challoner, and you've been tuning into the Leaders' Council podcast today. Please do take care all and goodbye.